Welcome to King Salman and the Stoics, a project of denverkolel.org. In this episode, covering Ecclesiastes Kohelet, chapter 6, verses 8 through 12, we're going to discuss several subjects and attempt to see the common thread. And those subjects will be understanding the value of tsnios, the value of internal quiet work, things that are deeper and not readily apparent, versus things that are external, superficial, and open for all to see. The value of a person working deep in his attic with no one aware of the work, of the accomplishments, of the things being done. We'll try and tap into that a bit. We'll discuss a little bit of what it means for a person who's always struggling and how perhaps it can redefine the context of their life, which perhaps is a life of struggle, to give it greater meaning. And finally, we'll discuss some of the greatest tools and see how they're internal and they're deep and they're tsunua, they're quiet. But yet we shouldn't trust in ourselves, even if we've managed to live effectively and we learn the secrets of effective living, we should still let go and let God. Let's jump in. Solomon says in chapter 6, verse 8, What benefit is there to the wise over the fool? What is the pauper, the impoverished one, know to go against or corresponding to life or the principles of life? What does this mean? Ramosha Dabravali explains, as he often does in his commentary on Kohelet, that when Solomon says, what benefit is there, there's a double meaning. And on one level, it means that from a simplistic perspective, sometimes we simply don't see the value that the wise person has. We see that they're wise. We see that they'd like to make good choices. And sometimes it doesn't work out for them the way we would like it to. We see that there doesn't seem to be value to the wise over the foolish. Sometimes it's the foolish that actually get ahead in life. And that's one way to look at it. It's a question. What value is there to the wise over the foolish? But another way to look at it, a deeper way to look at it, says Rabbi Vali, is that the word, the question what, which in Hebrew is the word ma, is another way of exclaiming, wow, what incredible value does the wise man have over the fool? And how incredible is it for an impoverished person, for a pauper, Rabbi Vali explains, refers not only to one who is financially challenged, who lacks resources in a material money type sense, but rather the impoverished one refers to one who is impoverished from anything, be it talents to succeed, or they seem to have what it takes, but life just seems to deal with them harshly, and one thing after another just doesn't go the way they'd hope it to go, and they're not what we would call successful people. And says Rabbi Vali, that's what Solomon means. What great value is there for the person who seems to always struggle in life, and yet they are able to walk always with the principles of life, near and dear to them, and their choices, their actions are aligned with their internal compass. Their actions are aligned with the true principles of life. What does this mean? There are two flows. There are two flows of life. There's an external flow and there's an internal flow. There's an external flow, we can understand that by just success, wealth, status, things going well. A person whose hands seem to be like gold, whatever they touch turns to gold. Their actions and choices have results. They create 
They're successful. However, there's a great danger. When a person does that, when a person lives that way and they're blessed with that blessing, it's very easy for them to fall into the trap of ego. It's easy for them to fall into the trap of superficiality. It's easy for them to see reality through the lens of their success. And now life itself and the principles of life come about status. They turn into money or possessions, vacations, and so on and so forth. That's a great danger of success. But the poor person also has a great danger. And that is he can give up, become depressed, and feel like his life is worthless. But if he understands that there's another stream of life, there's the internal, deeper stream of life, which is about life principles. It's about the principles of life. It's about honesty, integrity. It's about service. It's about belief and trust in God. Those are the deeper principles of life. The poor person, if he understands that that's the true reality, and his choices are aligned with that true reality, his choices are aligned with integrity, honesty, belief and trust in God, then he knows that every step he takes in the right direction is living successfully. It becomes not about accomplishments per se, but about walking along the principles of life. As Solomon says at the end of verse 8, that's the value. Now, the person who's successful can also do that. The job of the successful person is to connect their external success with the deeper principles of life, that there should be unity between what is deep and internal and aligned with integrity, honesty, service, and trust in God. That's the job of the wealthy person, of the successful person. The job of the poor person is to realize that while their external circumstances seem to be in disarray and they don't seem to be heading in a good direction they don't seem to be successful they should understand that 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 isn't what defines them what defines them are their choices what defines them are not their achievements and accomplishments but they're walking along the journey the journey along with the principles of life near and dear and being the guiding principle, the compass that this person is taking along with them. So the poor impoverished person who is not successful should understand that they have an easier time tapping into the true meaning of life because they aren't tempted to see things through status symbols, to see things through a swelling bank account, to see things through a specific car in my driveway. That's the value almost of the person who's impoverished, the pauper, who can walk with the principles of life. And that's what verse 8 talks about. Verse 9. This is a verse that's a little bit difficult, and there are, I think, three different approaches that we're going to discuss. But I believe all the approaches have a common thread. Solomon says, It is better the view of the eyes than the path of the soul. And this too is futility and a vexation of spirit. So let's try and walk through three approaches. One approach by Rabbi Vali is as follows. It is better, not in the true objective sense, but in the subjective sense, in how people seem to perceive things. They seem to think that that which is visible is better. People need to know. You need to have a million followers. You need to have six million followers. On social media, you need to have such and such status symbols that need to be open to the public, that everyone needs to know. That's what it means to make it. If you made it and the whole world knows about you, hopefully in a good way, and you're famous, you've made it. 
we 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 idolize media stars we idolize people who really really made it and in truth Solomon is telling us that, that is all foolishness is futility and a vexation of spirit what is really valuable is what's quiet what is tsanua what is hidden that's what's real that's what's eternal that's what has intrinsic value oftentimes what becomes publicized loses its deeper meaning it becomes superficial and eventually as Solomon says it becomes futility and vexation of spirit it not only doesn't bring blessing but it brings the opposite oftentimes to the person who possesses those status symbols to who achieved that publicity it becomes a vexation of spirit that's it that's interpretation number one of verse nine the second interpretation of Ivali says is as follows he says if we want to tap into and understand and see the value of the internal, deep, true, quiet value system, then let's look at the following principle. Let's look at the senses, the five senses. And the five senses, the more fine, the more subtle, and if you will, more spiritual senses are more powerful. The more physical the sense the less impact it has. The more spiritual, the more subtle the sense, like the sense of seeing, which is a subtle thing. It's not a physical thing that you touch or smell. It's a little bit more subtle. That is something that has a tremendous, tremendous impact on a person. Our hearts, our sense of where we want to go, of what we want, our desire, is all driven by what we see, what we perceive with our eye and with our mind's eye. And that shows you, says Rabbi the power of that which is more internal, that which is more subtle, that which is more spiritual. It's more powerful than the path of the soul, than the, than the, the, the senses of, of emotion that drive a person. What drives a person sometimes even more powerfully than their internal emotions is what they see, is what they perceive from the outside. So the power of sight, which is something so subtle, is something so powerful. And that shows us, says Solomon, according to this second interpretation of Rabbi Vali, the value of that which is spiritual and that which is powerful. But don't think, says Rabbi Vali, in the end, in explaining the end of verse 9, don't think that this is so beautiful and so incredible and it will lead you to a life of success. It will lead you to a life lived well. No, this too is futility and vexation of spirit. Because the more powerful the sense, the more it can also be used for the negative. Just like the sense of sight can so powerfully draw us towards good things, it can also so powerfully draw, uh, draw us towards negative things. And so this too, this understanding of the value of the power of the sense of sight, this too is futility and vexation of spirit. That's interpretation number two of Rabbi Valley. The Mitsudo says another explanation, which I think if we get this, we can understand all three in one sense, in one context. The Mitsudo says it would be better, one would think, if a person would know and be able to see where they're heading. We know the Torah teaches us that we do good deeds, we live a life well, we choose properly, and a person merits a portion in the world to come. And that is the eternity of the soul. That's the true purpose of existence. 
And says the Mitzudas, wouldn't it be wonderful if we can see that in front of us? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had an understanding of that? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we can put our finger in it, we can point to it, and we could say, this is where we're heading, this is why we're struggling through life, this is why we're staying no to temptation, to dishonesty, this is why we're tr- staying true to our moral calling. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could point the finger at it? And the answer, says the Mitzudas, is that too, that question too, as Solomon says at the end of the verse, is futility. Because no, if a person would see the future, if they would have a sense of the reward of the world to come, their service would be about reward. Their living according to their moral compass would be with an eye towards the delights that await them because of their choices. And that is not true living. The deeper, deeper way to live life is to understand that deep, Deep down, we have an intrinsic, internal, inherent desire to do good, to express our deepest will. That is what it really means to live, not to do something for something extrinsic, to do something for ulterior motive, as pure and as holy as as the ulterior motive might be, such as the reward of the world to come. It doesn't hold candle to the person expressing their deepest will, which is to do good. And knowledge of the future reward would only distract the person from bringing forth their deeper sense of what is right and wrong and accomplishing for the greater good accomplishing and doing that which is according with in accordance with the will of god which is ultimately the deepest expression of self so that too is futility that i that question let us see the reward that question is futility because that would be a distraction from living life and allowing your deepest self to emerge and that is the third explanation so if we take these three explanations the first one said that when things are public and we value that which is publicized that which is open for all to see the status symbols the wealth when we value that, that's, that's vexation, that's futility. That's not what's true value. True value is what's quiet, what's real. That was explanation number one. Again, we see the value of what's internal. Explanation number two, we see the value, the power of the faculty of sight, because again, it's a slightly more spiritual, more subtle sense. And finally, in the third explanation, we see that even knowledge of the world to come is something that holds us back from tapping into our deepest self when we align our will with the will of our Creator and we find the expression of our really, really, really true, true, internal, deepest self. So those three explanations come together. But let's move on to verse 10. So now, following Rabbi Vali's train of thought, that verse 9, which spoke about the sense of sight, told us that that which is deeper, more internal, more subtle, more spiritual, is more powerful. And if you're going to live your life that way, you're going to live on a whole different plane. People, and most of us struggle, that we live superficially, we live externally, we live relative to the people around us without really expressing our deepest self. And so we're not living our most effective self, and we're not living our most powerful self. But if we tap into the, what is deeper, what is true, what is internal, we will be so much more effective and so much more powerful. And we think the sky's the limit. If we can only learn how to live effectively, we can conquer the world. And that's what Solomon comes to warn us in verse 10. No, that's not the case. Yes, it's true. 
with your actions, with your positive actions, you're creating a place, a space for yourself in the world to come. You're building, you're sculpting your eternal existence, basking in the eternal reward of the world to come. But as far as this life is concerned, don't think that by mastering the tools, by mastering the principles of effective living, that you have a guaranteed place in the ranks of the most successful people. Because that which was called, Salma goes on to say in verse 10, already in the spiritual realms, that which was decreed by God, that's what the name will be. In other words, if a person is looking for a name, for a status, for a symbol or something that says that they've achieved, that they've arrived, they're making a mistake. That's something that's in God's hands. That's a something that's something that's a matter of mazal, it's a matter of fate. It's not up to you to choose the life that you have in this world. It's up to you to choose how you live the life you have. It's up to you to choose how you perceive the life you have. It isn't up to you to choose the circumstances. As much as you might try and as much as you might tap into the tools of effective living, it will not define your life circumstances for you. Don't think that life is something that you can go out with a hammer and nails and build it for yourself. To a certain extent, you can if you deal properly with what's been handed to you. But to create circumstances, that's in God's hand. And he goes on to say, Solomon, and it is known that he is a man, meaning we are human beings, we're frail. We are frail. And he goes on to say, and we can't, man cannot deal with one who is stronger than him. And it's very interesting. The word stronger, which in Hebrew here is takif, is spelled with an extra hey attached to it in the writing. It's written with an extra hey, sheha takif. However, it's pronounced she takif. But there's a hint here to an extra hey. The numerical value of hey is five. Explains our Vali, this refers and references the five senses. A person has five senses that we described before. Some of them are more powerful than others. And if we would master those senses, we think that we would be very, very successful. Says Rabbi Vali, it's extremely difficult to master those senses. Those senses, those five senses, are the tools of the evil inclination. And he's always using them to pull us down, to pull us into desire, into envy, into greed, into jealousy, into anger, whatever it might be. Those senses are pulling us away from the successful path of life, and we can't overcome it by ourselves. However, as Rabbi Vali always explains, there's always a deeper side to Solomon's story. On the superficial side, on the basic, more simplistic side, one, a human being cannot deal with that which is more powerful than he, which is the evil inclination acting through the five senses. However, the hay also references the divine presence, the Shekhinah. And that's beyond our conversation, the Kabbalistic meaning of that. But suffice it to say, it refers to divine presence. It refers to divine assistance. With divine assistance, a person could master his evil inclination. And this gives us a whole different view. We can master the tools of effective living. Let us remember that it's ultimately not up to us. It's up to God. And if we let go and we let God then we can deal with anything. But if we're on our own, if we're asserting ourselves, then we're vulnerable because every one of our senses are threatening to yank us down into the point of of despair, into an abyss, into a place of no, God forbid, no return. 
So let's not try to go to go at it ourselves. Yes, we should master the tools of effective living, but then we need to understand that ultimately it is really up to God and we absolutely need to pray for his assistance and trust and rely in his help and feel his support, not to try and go at it ourselves. Solomon goes on to say in verse 11, there are many things, there are many words that just increase futility. What benefit is there to man? What benefit is there to talk, to think that we can express, we can say, we can conquer the world with our speech? Silence is better. Leave it to God. Leave it to God. You focus on your internal world. Obviously, there's a place and a time for words. But many words, as Solomon says here in verse 11, just bring more futility. Just silence. Let go. Let go. Understand. It's not you. It's God. Solomon goes on to say the most fascinating thing in verse 12. And Rabbi Vali's comments are absolutely incredible here. Solomon goes on to say, who knows what is good for man in his life? The, day, the number of days of his futility that are, and he, that are like a fleeting shadow. And who will tell a person that which will happen after him under the sun? And these words are cryptic. Rabbi Valley explains an incredible concept. He says, Solomon is telling us, don't make the mistake of thinking you know why you are here in this world. Don't make that mistake. That's a mistake, says Solomon. We have no idea what our truest, deepest accomplishments are in this life. We may think that we need a certain job, a certain posting, a certain status. We may think even more altruistically that a specific accomplishment, a specific good that we can do for the world, for people around us, is exactly why we were brought into this world. Solomon says, don't make that mistake. You don't know. Say instead, I have a sense of feeling that this is why I'm here in this world. And I pray and ask God to bring out my strengths, to bring out my talents, to allow me to contribute, to allow me to develop, to allow me to be successful. Everyone has a certain sense deep within of why they're here. But if a person tries to define it too much, What they're doing is they're falling into a trap of building their life out of a hammer and nails. What they're building is a superficial existence, which either will stand or will fall. But they're failing to express their deepest contributions that they can give to the world because they're making it superficial, they're defining it, they're boxing it in. Don't make that mistake, says Solomon. Be open. Allow God to take you down the river of life. Allow him to lead you where you truly belong. Yes, you need to be in touch with your deeper compass. That are, those are hints telling you where you need to go. Yes, you need to make choices and you need to make moves. But don't make the mistake of thinking you can sculpt your own life. It's up to God. And He will lead you ultimately exactly where you need to be.